So, you want to save the world with clean energy? Make money doing it? Confused about the economic and technical realities of residential and commercial solar, batteries, heat pumps, EVs? Want the real-world scoop on new energy technologies, not manufacture hype? Then tune in to the Weekly Energy Show, hosted by Barry Cinnamon. Insights from Barry's 40-plus years in the solar and energy industry will help you understand the future ways we'll generate and consume energy. And now, here's Barry. Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, according to Wikipedia, which has supplanted the Oxford English Dictionary and the Encyclopedia Britannica as the world's definitive source of information, atmospheric rivers consist of narrow bands of enhanced water vapor winds that form over the oceans. Now, pineapple express storms are the most common type of atmospheric rivers. Now, the name is due to the warm water vapor plumes originating over the Hawaiian islands that flow towards North America, arriving somewhere kind of along the West Coast, California down to the Pacific Northwest or up to the Pacific Northwest. So in plain English, atmospheric rivers are windy rainstorms that dump a huge amount of water in a relatively short time. They account for about 50% of the annual precipitation in California. So these storms are really critical to reducing California's current drought conditions. Now, since our crews are working on rooftops every day, we're very concerned about rooftop safety. And as a result, we always look at forecasts when planning rooftop work for our customers. This morning, and it's beginning of January, happy 2023, everybody. I noted that significant rain is projected for eight of the next nine days, maybe longer since the forecast that I saw on my phone only went out nine days. In over 22 years of installing solar in Silicon Valley, I've never seen such a severe and extended series of storms. Now, the National Weather Service is predicting that this next atmospheric river storm, it's coming, this is the first week of the year, we got another one coming up in a few days, will be as bad or worse than the recent New Year's Eve deluge. Now, the impacts of this atmospheric river, as most huge storms like this, include widespread flooding, roads washing out, hillsides collapsing, mudslides, trees down. And as a result, because of all these events, widespread power outages, adding up to extremely dangerous conditions. You can look at the detailed forecast yourself. And, you know, obviously, you're probably going to listen to this um, maybe in the middle of the storm or after the storm. But to suffice it to say that the winds are going to be gusting in the 35 to 55 mile per hour range with rainfall estimates ranging from 2 to 10 inches. Now, this is really bad because the ground's already saturated from the storms we had after Christmas plus the storms we had on New Year's, New Year's Eve. So the ground is soggier than it's been in a long time. And it's more likely that weak trees or even solid trees, if they get hit with it with a he heavy wind, those those trees are going to fall over. If they fall over on power lines or, or, or equipment or even people, it's a bad thing. All right. So I'm kind of thinking back here in California in 2017, we had a similar storm and there was floods in San Jose. It was huge floods. So the rivers flooded. In 2017, we had a similar atmospheric river storm. There were floods everywhere, and the power was out in, in a lot of locations all over California. Now, specifically, I'm thinking about the power was out at our house 
for four days in Saratoga, a little area in, in the Golden Triangle, totally suburban, flat, you know, no mountains, no hills. The power was out for four days. What happened is a tree knocked down the nearby power lines, and those power lines maybe powered a dozen houses or so, and it was kind of at the end of what PG&E was trying to get to. Power was out for four days. Luckily, I was in California at the time, which gave my wife the opportunity to learn how to start and refill our old noisy gas generator to keep the lights on and the fridge cold down. It really was empowering to her to figure out how to do this and flip the breakers and use the choke and pull the cord. I'd rather that her not have to go through that again. So with storms like the last few we've had and the ones that are coming up over the next week or two, especially when the ground is soggy, it's reasonable. Many power failures due to down electrical lines. And and sometimes the power failures are caused not by trees knocking down overhead wires, but by underground electrical equipment getting flooded. So the transformers that are in these you know, underground areas, they, those little transformer volts, those could flood. When those fill up with water, power's going to go out until those, those uh, transformer volts are, are drained. They're not 100% waterproof. There's also clogged storm drains. Heavy winds, leaves fall down, leaves go into the street, leaves go into the storm drains, they block those drains, and that could lead to widespread street flooding. The same thing happened to us about four years ago in San Jose. Our street had like almost two feet of water on it. Fortunately, the houses were above that. The water was pretty high. There was widespread flooding in our neighborhood, but really all over the place. So right now, beginning of January, some of the local creeks and rivers are already at or nearing flood stage. The Guadalupe River and Coyote Creeks caused widespread flooding disaster in San Jose in 2017. And I would not be surprised at all to see similar floods during these storms. Keep in mind, the water is already high. The ground's saturated. So when we get the next atmospheric river hit, all that water's going to run down. There's no place for it to go. It's not going to get absorbed into the ground and and we're going to see some floods. So let's talk about some common sense precautions. First, as my dad said, it's okay to go out in the rain. You won't melt. Getting wet, no big deal as long as you're prepared. But when it comes to other things, drive very slowly on highways to minimize hydroplaning. If you're going too fast in your car and you hit a couple of inches of water, those tires are not going to be touching the asphalt anymore. They may start to float and really like ski, water ski across the top of that water layer. And you can't steer when that happens. And so every time this happens, there's a lot of accidents on the road. Maybe a gradual curve on the highway. You could take that curve at 80 miles an hour when it's dry. But if you're taking that curve at 60 miles an hour when there's standing water on that road, your car's not going to make that turn. So be very careful on highways, especially when the water's, when it's raining hard. Stay away from down electrical wires. <laughs> if they're sparking, run away, especially if there are puddles or the ground is wet because the ground in those puddles will conduct electricity and people get electrocuted every year by going too close to down electrical wires. You don't have to touch it to get killed. Watch out for really large puddles on the road. It's really deceptive. I remember seeing this in the West particularly I remember in Arizona, where you have creeks that would actually go through the roads. And the creeks were only kind of active one or two days a year. But it looks like there's just a puddle in the middle of the road. But really, that road might be four feet down in in the water. You may have a a puddle or a river that's four feet deep. That'll wash away your car. Even those little puddles in an underpass may be enough to kill your car's engine. Even if it's only like six inches deep, enough water splashes inside the engine, it could kill it. Now, specifically related to that, I used to watch with amusement as cars tried to get through the accumulated 
contaminated water at underpasses on Memorial Drive in Cambridge. Mass Ave would go over Memorial Drive and there was an underpass. And if the pumps aren't working, there would be maybe two feet of water there or more. And it doesn't look that deep. But once you drive through it, you'd see all these cars just kind of stalled. People say, I think I can make it through. And and sometimes you don't make it through. I don't know how an EV will handle in deep water. And I have no intention of finding out. I'm a lot more conservative these days. We talked about all these bad things. Let's end up with some good news. The good news is because of this huge storm that's coming in the next batch of storms, the reservoirs are filling up. We're still, as of now, in drought conditions, but at the rate we're going, you know, we may be out of the drought by the end of a, a rainy season like this. The snowpack in the Sierras is growing really fast. We should be in good shape for summer dry weather conditions because California gets a lot of its water from melting snowpack. And and also we get a lot of electricity from melting snowpack as the dams that are holding that water back start to generate electricity. The skiing right now is, is terrific. It's going to be a memorable season for you skiing fanatics. The underground aquifers, this is where we're pumping water out of the ground, they're gradually filling up, but it takes a long time. It's not like a reservoir where water goes in. This water has to kind of seep through the ground and it could take a long time. There's these things called percolation ponds in California and our area. And those are basically just ponds that they fill up with water from the reservoir and then that water gradually absorbs into the ground, filling up those underground aquifers, but it takes a long time. The rain is doing great for washing your car. My wife commented that our cars are, are really, really clean, at least on the outside. Inside, different story. From a solar panel standpoint, God is doing a terrific job of cleaning your solar panels. After a few storms like this, as long as your solar panels are on a sloped roof surface, not if they're flat, but as long as they're on a sloped surface, those panels are going to be as clean as they were when they were originally installed. So this this heavy rain does a really, really good job of cleaning them off. Unless you've got sap and, and dust attached to that, that tree sap on there, then it's going to be tough to come off. But as far as you know, regular soiling on solar panels, doing a good job of cleaning those. Finally, talking about solar, if you have a solar-powered battery backup system, that battery will keep your lights on and your fridge cold during the next blackout. We had a blackout on New Year's Eve. My wife was jumping up and down when the power went out because we had power and our neighbors across the street had power because we had batteries. The blackout lasted about an hour and a half and then you know the power came up. But you know, it's just really a, a great feeling when you can kind of just power right through that. If you have a battery system, there are two features that some people may not not know about that you should check out. The first is going into weather like this, we recommend that you increase a setting called your minimum battery reserve to at least 50%. Most battery systems are installed with a minimum battery reserve of 20 or 30%. Talk to your installer or adjust things so that you can increase that minimum battery reserve at least 50%. Because that higher backup reserve means that you have more energy in your battery during the next blackout, especially these blackouts happen a lot of times more than often at night. And you want to have enough energy in that battery so that your battery can provide electricity for your fridge and anything else, your CPAP machine, etc. until the next day. Now, keep in mind that there's a double-edged sword with this backup reserve. The higher the backup reserve, I mean, you could set it at 100% and it's going to stay at 100%, but then your battery's not going to cycle. So you're not going to be able to save money by time shifting your energy use. On the other hand, if you had your backup reserve set at 10 or 20%, which is really kind of at the bottom end, you're going to save more money as long as the battery cycles fully every day. But if there's a blackout, you might not make it through the night. All right. The second useful feature is something called weather guard or storm preparation. Now, what this feature does, and it's usually set up automatically, keep your battery at a 100% state of charge if there's an imminent bad weather event or public safety power shutoff. So this is something that manufacturers like 
Solar Edge and Franklin and Tesla have, where if they see a bad storm coming, they can automatically set everybody who's going to be exposed to the bad storm, everybody in that area, to this storm preparation or weather guard setting. And your battery is going to charge up to 100%. Also, really, really useful when you have a public safety power shutoff. That's pretty identified. It's like, okay, in this neighborhood, the power is going to go off for four hours on a certain day. As long as that's a public information, then this weather guard feature can automatically set that. And I noticed on my system going into this uh, storm, the battery is already set up with weather guard and it's, it's trying to stay at hundred percent. All right. So wrapping up a relatively short podcast, I just wanted to get this information out to people in advance of the storm. Just stay safe during these upcoming storms. Not a good week or two for outdoor recreation and uh, make sure you drive safely. And that's all the time we have on this week's energy show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to this week's energy show. Barry wants everyone to benefit from clean energy. So if you missed any of today's show, you can go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.